I'm Paul Wiegraf, Director of the Delaware Division of the Arts and your host for today. Joining me today by phone from the Rehoboth Art League is the Executive Director, Sarah Ganter. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for joining me. I, I, I'm really excited to hear about the Rehoboth Art League. It is one of the anchors of Sussex County, uh, a well-established, solid arts organization uh, that has uh, just an incredible history and continues to provide very important programming uh, in Sussex County. So let's go back to the beginnings. Uh, you're you're on a beautiful parcel of land down there in Henlopen Acres. How did the Rehoboth Art League get started? Uh, it's true. We have a long history here. The Art League was founded in 1938 um, by Louise Corcoran, who lived on the property with her husband, uh, Colonel um, Colonel Corcoran, and he was an architect who actually developed the entire neighborhood here of Henlopen Acres, where our campus still is. Um, so we even go back further than 1938, though. Our historic homestead, which is one building on our property among five, um, was built in 1743, um, and that was by Peter Marsh. So we have the Peter Marsh Homestead, which today is on the National Registry. Um, we have exhibitions in there. Um, it's staffed by our volunteer docents, and um, we ho- we host a lot of programs there, too. So we go way back, and this is our 81st year that um, we're in, 1920, or in 2019 this year. Now, the complex, d- did he design it to be uh, the kind of facility that it is today or for the kind uh, of function he- that it serves today? He did not. We've sort of adapted over the years. Um, he developed the neighborhood or the town of Henlopen Acres to be the first planned community in this area. He okay. was very impressed with the proximity to the beach, the wooded landscape. Um, so we were really the first house in the neighborhood. Um, and over the years, things have sort of sprung up around us, but we're the original here. So how... So ha- as as the art league it it has it now encompasses this complex and how did the yep. organization itself evolve and grow over the time so his wife was very interested in the arts um she was involved in the village improvement association which is a local women's service group here um they had started some small art shows um back in the 30s and it eventually, a couple of the ladies got together and developed officially the Rehoboth Art League. So it was housed here at the campus. So as I said, we sort of adapted over the years. Um, the, uh, the first classroom on the campus, which is still here, is called the Painter Studio. Uh, so that's another of our five buildings. It's a, a two-room um, sort of schoolhouse, um, but it's pretty basic, no heating or electric. But that building was actually floated by barge uh, from Lewis hmm. through the canal here. So that's still here um, and open to the public, of course. Um, But over the years, we've had other adaptations. The original gallery uh, space, also still here, has been expanded a little bit over the years. It used to be a dirt floor. Um, We now have, (laughs) of course, a a paved uh, surface there Mm -hmm. uh, and heat and electric. But we've we've been able to grow slowly over the years. We um, also have a an, a couple educational spaces on campus. One includes a phenomenal pottery studio, so that's a, a building in and of itself um, with classrooms. 
And we also have a sort of extension of the homestead, formerly the the home's garage, which is now the um, children's studio. So we hold summer camps there and adult classes. And finally, our latest adaptation was the former, um, it was called the Stables um, building, which was literally just a stable, um, was converted into a place for a permanent collection. So it's it's humidity and climate controlled, and it, it's pretty high end as far as storing art goes. So we've we were able to repurpose that also. And let's let's turn to uh, your your membership. The Rehoboth Art League is a member organization, and throughout your history, you've had some pretty well known members. Yeah. Um, we we are a membership organization. We have more than a thousand members. Um, they're not just local people. They're sort of all over the country. Um, some are artists that want to show in the gallery here and sell. Some are artists that um, participate in our outdoor show, which is our, our major event of the year. Um, but I would say the sort of early membership is pretty well known by this point. Um, Howard Schroeder, Ethel um, P.B. Leach. Um, we have some sort of big names in the area, um, and we have a lot of their artwork in the collection. They're sort of part of our heritage artist group in that. So, so you, I'm glad you mentioned that. So, you're not only an organization serving uh, current artists, but you also have a collection. Right. Correct. Uh, talk a little bit about that. Um, so we have a, a permanent collection. It's in excess of seven or eight hundred pieces by now, but it's a lot of two D art um, paintings from the thirties from early people who were involved with the Art League's foundings. Um, but we also have lots of objects. Uh, for example, some of the antiques that have followed the house throughout the different families that have lived there. Uh, the, a lot of the Corcoran's possessions, including China, things like that, decorative arts. Um, so we have a little bit of everything, but we continue to receive um, offers of artwork uh, from the community, people that would like to donate that know either this was an important piece for the Art League or was created by someone who was of influence here, either a teacher, a director, or someone prominent in the region. Um, in fact, I had a call this morning from someone who has, uh, from the 70s, a rather large cross-stitch piece that won an award here in the 70s that she would like to make sure the Art League keeps. So we, I sort of field things like that routinely. Um, and we have a, an active collections committee that vets all of the donations and uh, for the appropriateness to either accept or um, find another purpose here on campus for. Now, let, let's turn to your programming. I, you have a, just a, a wide array of classes, educational opportunities. Let's, uh, let's uh, turn in that direction. Uh, talk a little bit about the classes that you offer and, and who teaches them and how do people find out about that and participate in those. So as part of our missions to educate in the arts, um, we have a lot of classes that we offer here on campus. Um, it used to be a little more seasonally based when there were a lot of people in town for the summer months, but we really offer things year-round, um, more than 100 classes a year. Uh, a lot of them are in the traditional fine arts, so um, opportunities to learn watercolor, drawing, uh, acrylics, oil painting, things like that. We also, of course, offer uh, classes in pottery, uh, so all kinds of things, either um, 
learning to throw on the wheel, which is pretty difficult, and hand-building, um, which is as it sounds. But we also offer more contemporary um, forms of art. So we've offered some digital photography classes. In fact, we have a, a studio here on campus that members can print digital photographs. And that's staffed through a partnership with the Coastal Camera Club. Mm. Um, and they're able to sort of walk members or community members through the process of um, digitally sort of enhancing your image and then getting your final printout. So some more traditional stuff, but we also like to look in other areas. And in addition to the classes that you offer there at the Rehoboth Art League, I know a number of your member artists are out in the community and at community organizations and in schools uh, doing yeah. uh, programs as well. Talk about that kind of outreach that your members are doing. Right. So for people that can't get to campus to take a class or enjoy some of the things that are here, um, we do have a an arts outreach program. So we send our qualified instructors out into the community to be able to connect with groups that, you know, otherwise wouldn't be able to, to come to us. So we, through some partnerships, um, and th these are always free arts education opportunities that the students do not pay us for any of this. Um, we run classes, um, after-school arts classes. Uh, that's in a partnership with First State Community Action Agency. We also do the arts instruction for some summer camps, including uh, the YMCA in Rehoboth, Boys and Girls Club. And we've also used that model to build on and um, get some new partnerships. So that would be places like Easter Seals, um, Salvation Army, and the Sussex Consortium. They're not necessarily um, underserved youth. They might be adults with uh, intellectual disabilities or things like that. Some of those groups come to campus um, by a bus monthly for free art instruction, and we also go out to them um, at places where they're meeting. So we've used that as a model to sort of develop other free arts education things across Sussex. I, I had the opportunity not too long ago to see one of your artists working with uh, adults with deve developmental disabilities at the Easter Seals facility in Georgetown, and uh -huh. it, it was just fascinating to see... Uh, first of all, the sensitivity that the artist had in working with these, this population, but also the the engagement, the, the level of engagement that these, these adults had. And it was a pottery uh, yeah. uh, workshop. He, had, he brought in a little portable potter's wheel, and it really was, it was uh, fascinating to, to watch him working with these individuals and, and see how important this was for them to be able to participate in that kind of activity. Right. We try to get all kinds of mediums in there. Um, you know, we do some basics with watercolor and drawing, but it, it really depends on the instructor and they develop a curriculum, um, whether it's weekly or monthly with each group um, and ensure that they're covering important things that are appropriate for each group. Um, and in fact, Easter Seals, we just had an exhibit of their work on campus here in our uh, painter studio that I mentioned, which is the old classroom. Mm -hmm. And that was a lot of fun to sort of see their different work, not just 2D, but they also had some ceramic pieces and um, were quite proud of to see their work hanging on the wall. Mm -hmm. And I should also mention, I think I forgot, but we also get out to um, Brandywine Senior Living uh, to give also free arts education to seniors who are not able to travel outside of the uh, care facility there. 
So that's another group we're trying to get to that would not otherwise be able to travel to us. That, it's really amazing the the uh, the love the amount of outreach you have. I want I want to talk next about uh, sort of the work that, that you do with the schools and the resources you provide for them. But let me first sure. re- remind our listeners that you are tuned into Delaware State of the Arts here on News Radio fourteen fifty WILM and fourteen ten WDOV. Our guest joining us by phone is Sarah Ganter, the executive director of the Rehoboth Art League. Sarah, I know you serve, the Rehoboth Art League serves an important function for the schools in Sussex County. Could you talk about the relationship you have with them and and how students in Sussex County uh, get to see the kind of work that you do? Sure. Um, We not only offer classes and summer camps for kids aged 5 to 18, we are sort of our biggest work of the year with the school kids is the annual Young at Art exhibition, and that's held every year in the month of March. Um, our education programs director touches base with every school in Sussex to invite them to participate in this exhibition. So this is only um, student work in this show. Art teachers nominate students and collect sort of um, top examples of work and they also, we provide a scholarship to one student from each school that participates. So this is our Derrickson Scholarship, which is a free year of classes here on campus um, as a way to promote further interest in the arts and development of skills to promising young artists. We've also been able to sort of expand the Young at Art um, show over the past couple years by, you know, um, collecting some sponsorship funds that help support cash awards for students. And we've even been able to partner with the Delaware College of Art and Design to award um, college scholarships and um, other sorts of scholarships that will help develop artistic work in um, college-bound seniors. So those are sort of highlights. But I have to say the Young at Art exhibition is the most attended exhibition of our entire year. How about <laughs> um, that? We get, I think we had about 500 people here um, on opening day this year. So it's it's a good one. And if that all doesn't keep you busy enough, uh, when this uh, interview airs, you will have just been completing a number of major exhibitions and activities and transitioning into some new ones for the uh, late in the month of July and and uh, throughout August and September. Let's talk about some of the programming you've got going on at Henlopen Acres there. Sure. The month of July, um, sort of a highlight of that month for us, is the annual cottage tour. This year we celebrated the 70th annual cottage tour, um, which is really a collection of <laughs> homes that sort of exemplify great art, architecture, artwork inside, landscape design, Um, And that's a fun one, very popular um, with people that they can sort of explore the collections in a few Rehoboth area private homes. Um, And also this month, late July 26th, we'll be opening our 81st annual Members Fine Art Exhibition. That's always a highlight for some of the member artists. That gets a lot of uh, quality 2D work. Um, So we'll be looking forward to that. And of course, moving into August, we're, well, we've all year get ready for the Um, annual outdoor fine art and fine craft show. That's our biggest event of the year. Uh, It's always the first two weekends in August, and we have 
a collection of juried artists, more than 125 of them come from all over the country. They set up booths on our campus, and it's an opportunity for them to showcase and sell their work. So it's quite an event for us, and, you know, we have food and drink on campus. We have music and kids' activities. So um, that's generally what we're well-known for. People know that, that event for sure. And I had the opportunity to go to that this last year, and it really is a magnificent opportunity to to get out on beautiful grounds and just see some amazing artwork. And and the talk a little bit about the range of artistry that's represented in that. It's sort of a little of everything. There's, um, of course, some traditional um, oil painters, acrylics, uh, but we also have glass blowers, woodworkers, metal. Um, large-scale photography, um, silkscreen artists, uh, mixed media, sort of anything you can think of, really. Um, And there are some local favorites uh, from this region that you'll see every year, but we also get a lot of new artists that come from all over. Um, It's sort of a high level of um, artists participating in this. So, yeah, it's really neat to see and also to see them return each year. Um, So a lot of people want to come back to see their favorites. And I also see uh, coming up uh, in the late summer, early fall, you have some other exhibitions, uh, Ethereal Ireland, I believe, with uh, works by Beth Trepper. Right. We have that uh, coming up in opening July 26th. Um, We also have an opening on July 31st, and that's the Rehoboth Dreaming Exhibition We developed not too long ago a partnership with the city of Rehoboth, so we do have an exhibition space in their municipal building. So this is actually great for our artists because it's on Rehoboth Avenue. Um, It gets a lot of traffic on that Mm -hmm. street, and that's just another way for us to um, provide them with a spot that's visible for all the vacationers that come through town. Now, who who does – this must be a gargantuan task of sort of – scheduling and curating all of this do you, who who does that for you <laughs> our our small team of very energetic people <laughs> um we have an exhibitions director here and he works year Nick Serator works year round with an exhibitions committee to sort of line up everything for uh future years some of the shows we have are sort of legacy shows such as our members fine craft and members fine art those have been going on for many years, so people can always look forward to those. But we also um, get a lot of submissions for solo and group exhibitions that are pretty interesting. So we like to try to bring new and different artists to exhibit here as well so that we can offer the community exposure to something they wouldn't otherwise see. Um, we do have a, a fiber show coming later this year, which will highlight quilts. That should be pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, we did a miniature show earlier this year that got a really good response. So we get a little bit of everything here and try to cover many different mediums. Now, uh, what is uh, you mentioned that you have members of, of the Hope Art League from many different locations. What is the range of of artistry, styles, and 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 ages? I mean, what what does your membership look like? Um, it's really a wide range. We have um, we have many artists that are sort of um, avocational. They enjoy it. They take classes once in a while, and they love to sell their artwork in our member sales gallery. And that's an opportunity for them year round. 
Um, we have other artists that sort of practice professionally and make a living at, an, at uh, being an artist and routinely do shows like our outdoor shows. So they might travel all up and down the East Coast um, setting up their booths at, at different prominent art shows. So there's really a wide range of artists, which isn't always easy to serve that many interests, <laughs> but we do our best with, um, we've also tried to develop some professional development things for artists so that no matter their level, they can, you know, learn something about marketing their artwork, getting into galleries for the first time, um, even framing and matting your own artwork. So we're trying to offer something for everyone, but it's really a huge range of um, talent and interest for the members. Yeah, th thanks so much for sharing that because it, it's really interesting to hear, you know, about, about the range of individuals that that um, participate in that, as as well as the audiences that you serve and the outreach that you have. We've got about a minute and a half left. I, I'm curious, um, an art league at the beach. What are the dynamics there? How how do you fit into the the lar the broader community of of a resort town? Um, well, people st structure their, their beach time around when some of our events are going on. So they might schedule their vacation. So they're here for the outdoor show. Um, and that's sort of a major event in the area. The, the chamber of commerce sort of tracks hotel usage around our event, mm -hmm. um, which is a good thing because we're contributing to the local community. But I have to say, I'm still surprised when I meet someone that say, that says, well, I've never been over there, or I've never heard of the Rehoboth Art League. Um, we're, we still try to get the word out to everyone we can that we're here, come visit, see what we have to offer. We have classes and camps, and we do things off-site. Um, so we we still struggle to get the message out that we have something to offer here. And um, really, it's a piece of history, not just the exhibitions and the classes, but we're sort of a, a cultural marker um, for local history. Well, I invite our listeners to learn more about the Rehoboth Art League at RehobothArtLeague.org. Sarah Ganter, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much.